Your Roots in Black Spirituality is a podcast series hosted by myself, Aziza Wonder, where I get to interview different Black queers of faith on their personal experiences of holding all the parts of their identity and what it looks like for them to learn to make more space for themselves in a world that tries to make them small. These conversations are honest, vulnerable, funny, and it is my hope that you would not only find yourself in them, but that you would be inspired. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Aziza Wonder, and this is a podcast. <laughs> um, yes, this is a podcast that I get the honor of hosting. It is Queer Roots, Black Spirituality, where I actually am going to be able to interview a bunch of queer folks um, about their relationship to to their Blackness and to their faith and what it looks like to hold all that in the light of, of their, some might say, unconventional sexuality. And um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to, to, to hear these stories. And I say that because I have been recording these. This episode is going to be the first episode that you listen to, but I have been recording these out of whack. <laughs> and um, I've actually already recorded a couple um, at this point. And um, honestly, those the conversations have been reflective. Um, they've been good to just to just take in. But as also uh, a Black queer person who grew up in in, in a faith context, it's been it's really just been opening, opening um, little passages into my own story. So that's been interesting. I, a little bit about me. Um, I right now I'm actually living on the road. Um, all of all of this, uh, these podcasts have been made while I am traveling. <laughs> my story is is very wild and and very um, kind of unrelated. <laughs> To a lot of the work that I'm that I'm uh, doing right now with this podcast, um, so I won't get too much into it. But um, I am currently in in North Carolina. Um, I don't know. I can't really talk about the details of my life because nothing is really consistent enough to talk about. But I can talk about. The, the details of my personhood, <laughs> which is that I, I really like community. Um, I really like community and I really like hearing people talk and I really like talking, but I really like talking to say things that make people talk more. And, and so that, I think that quality about me has been, has been the formula to finding my queer tribe queer tribe is something something pretty magical i think queer tribe saved my saved my um my rest you know because um here's the thing all right let's just let's just get into this right like i grew up i'm like having flashbacks to my story and i'm like there's a lot going on here um (laughs) okay so let's see i i grew up catholic right 
because in in Sudan there is essentially just Catholicism and Islam. So we came to America and we found a Catholic church, right? We're in church. Uh, my mom gets invited to this Baptist church, small Baptist church. Uh, we start going there. And Baptist church was cool because Baptist church had um, Sunday school, right? Like when, if you're, when, with the thing about Catholics is it's very boring. <laughs> it's very boring if you don't know what's going on, right? Like, and when you're a child, I just remember just standing and then sitting and then holding books and then chanting. And I just remember just being like, and just this dress and just like waiting. Now, the good thing about Catholic church is that it is very efficient. Okay. You get in, you get out. You get in, you do your thing, you get out. Right. Um, Baptist church, especially you go to a black Baptist church, you leave church when the pastors like, I don't, I don't, I was going to say when the pastor's thirsty, you know, when the pastor's hungry, but I don't know, dude, I've, I've seen my pastor sweat bullets, just damp cloth, his wife, like crawling up to the, all to like, up to the like podium where he's preaching, handing him a new cloth. And he just like starts dabbing, dabbing his bald head with that one instead. And like, um, you know, like I've seen, I've just seen my pastor and thought you are clearly so hungry, so tired, but, but something about your, your lack of sustenance, you are, your lack of sustenance is giving you more drive. You are preaching harder. You are preaching louder. You are preaching with such conviction. I don't know that we are getting out of here anytime soon. And we didn't. Okay, church ends whenever church ends, right? That's that's just how it is. Okay, but at the same time, it was so lively that being in church for five, six, whatever hour, being in church for a work day did not feel. Um, it felt easier to do for me as a child um, than to be in Catholic church, um, which was just very ritualistic. Um, which is funny because now I really, I find a lot of comfort in rituals, um, and less, not necessarily, I, yeah, I see more of a balance in my life and my spiritual life now with, with rituals and with, with the, with the intuitiveness of, of spirit, but, or more so how they like feed into each other. That was the church we, Catholic, then Baptist, um, and somewhere along the way in the Baptist way. Uh, my mom met someone who was a Jehovah's Witness and they started doing like coming to our house and like studying the Bible with her. The thing about my mom, the thing about um, Sudanese people in general is that there's no sense of, of denominations. I don't know. I don't really know how the rest of the world cooperates, but I know that in Sudan, there's really no sense of denomination, right? It's just like Christian. And so these people are coming up to my mom and saying God. And to her, it's just like, well, God is God, right? Um, and so she didn't feel the, the, and because of just like language, right? Um, 
she didn't feel the dissonance between each denomination, each denominational space, whereas I did. The more that I grew in my faith, um, even just as a young child, I, I would, in, in the conversation of salvation started coming, started coming up. I found that the way they spoke about salvation in Catholicism and in, in, in evangelical Baptist world and in the Jehovah Witness community were different. And that made me panic because salvation was how we were supposed to get to heaven, right? And hell was this terrible, terrible thing. And I didn't want to go there, right? And I, because I was, I was going to just be falling for all of eternity and burning for all of eternity, right? And everyone, everyone was sure about that. That's the one, that's the one thing that everyone agreed on. There's a hell and you will burn if you don't get this right. Okay, how do I get it right? Everyone says something different. <laughs> and it's like, um, uh, excuse me while I panic. Excuse me while I panic. I, to this day, have such a weird relationship with death. It, it panics me. And I really think it's because, because of that, right? Because these, these, these trouble witnesses come in, they start, they start having these weekly studies with my mom. Um, my mom can't, can't upkeep them. So then they just start studying with me and my brothers. Um, my brothers decide they don't want to do it anymore. And they just continue with me. So for years, years of my life, I studied every week the Bible with this woman who came um, to my house. And then um, she would take me to church the, the following the following Sunday. So I would study with her. Um, and then later that week, we'd go to church together. Um, after I'd just gone to church that morning with, um, like at my Baptist church, right? I've been studying the Bible with people for a long time. Because after, after that, we went to a, we moved to a mega church, a mega Baptist church. And then I got really involved in youth group, youth group leadership, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like carrying a Bible to school. You know, I'm like starting the first Bible club at my, at my, at my school. I'm like doing all this stuff, doing all this like biblical leadership. But the truth is I, and very much the same then as now in that I am not meant to start things and lead them out. I'm not, I'm not designed for commit, committal leadership. That's what it is. I think I can do leadership in the sense of, oh, I just pop up, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, woo! Yeah, mm, this thing that we're all talking about. Yeah, right here. And then I leave. I think I work best in that. <laughs> I think I work best in that space. But a lot of things, um, I found myself in a lot of spaces growing up in church where I wanted to, to help build, to help build in a way that um, was not meant for me. 
That's really what it is. I mean, it's all building, right? But I was building in a way that wasn't meant for me. And I was building in a way that I thought was only available to me because of, because I'm, because I'm a woman, right? Like, because I was also told growing up in the space that I grew up, there are very specific roles that women can do and men can't do. Um, and I realized that a lot of things I wanted to do were things that the men were doing. And so I didn't even let myself explore what my faith could look like for myself because I was like, okay, these are, this is what I can work within. Um, and even then that felt, it always felt like a little rebellious, you know, because I was still like in some kind of leadership and that always made me a little uncomfortable because I was like, is this okay? You know, like this feels like something I want to do, but is this okay? Um, and I feel like I've asked that question for myself constantly throughout my life. Is this okay? Um, because even um, coming into coming into my relationship with being a woman, with being uh, a queer person, with being a, a faith person, I was always, is this okay? Am I allowed to do this? Right? Um, because the things that I wanted to do never felt never felt allowed. <laughs> Or the things that I wanted to do, no one had ever said specifically, you can do this or you can do this, you can do this or you can't. And it was just always some sense of, there was always just ambiguity. I just never knew. I was always so confused all the time. Um, because it felt like I, my identity was always up for debate. And so it was like, okay, if, if I am what's on the table, you know, if I'm what's on the table to be justified, then obviously I cannot be taking input from my own self, right? And so any question I'd ask, I, I've always asked a lot of questions growing. I've always, I still do. Uh, part of that's because I like asking questions because I like hearing people talk. But part of that is because I just need to know what am I doing something that's okay? Am I okay? Am I, am I, am I Am I, am I, am I worthy right now? You know, am I doing, am I, am I being something wrong? Which is just so interesting. It's interesting. I might, um, my relationship with internalized homophobia, I haven't really unboxed that enough um, within myself or in a productive enough way to like really delve into it on a, on a, on this kind of platform right now. But I will say that, um, I abandoned religion to pursue pursue parts of me that I did not feel I could pursue while in the context of religion. And a part of the, that thing that I was pursuing was my sexuality. And so I did not feel very much internal. I did not consciously feel any internal conflict with my with my with my uh, Christianity and with my queerness because I had stopped identifying as Christian. And so to me, if you leave a room, you can't get kicked out of it. And so I found God in places that people could not tell me God wasn't. Um, and I got very, growing up in an evangelical world too, in any, in any case, um, the message I'd gotten growing up was that I needed to be talking about my faith because again, people are going to hell um, and we must save them. And if someone goes to hell, you can meet someone who's going to hell and you are their last opportunity before they die. I heard that a lot. And so I was always very anxious and I always wanted to save people um, because I care about community. 
And hell sounded like a terrible place. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want anyone else to go there. And they didn't know they were going there. Only I did. So I had to say something, right? Um, So I was very outspoken about my faith for a long time. And when I walked away from Christianity, I told myself that I needed to see God outside of that world, outside of those buildings. And the more I saw God everywhere else, the less I talked about God. I stopped talking about God for a while. I did, which was funny because God has never stopped talking to me, but I, I've stopped talking about God. Um, and when I did, it was only within CCW context, um, writing for CCW and Studio Wesley. And um, even, even in there, I was like being very, um, I was being very open about the way that I talked about God. I used she, they pronouns. I called God it. I called God, I refer to God as spirit. and. Um, yeah. And it just, it just, and it was like, I needed that. I needed a fluid God because my, cause that's, that is me in, in every, in every part of I, I am, um, my sexuality is fluid. Um, gender is fluid. Everything, everything was just like not still. And, um, it was only in, it was only in like, in having, and having that and having God in that way um, that I was able to really explore. I, I started exploring polyamory. I consider myself polyamorous now. Um, still, it was within polyamorous space that I really just, just opened. And it was, it was in that season that I also found, I found my queer tribe and it's all just, it's all just been so beautiful. It's all been so beautiful. Um, and God is, God is mine again. Um, I think there was a point in time when I, I, I kind of, I kind of stopped using the word God for a while and, and Jesus for a while, because it felt like that could be taken away from me. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I'm finally in, in a space in time where all parts of me are welcomed at the table, you know? Um, and, and the essence of this podcast is really to, is, is coming home. Um, and when I was first talking about this podcast, it was very much related to like um, this idea of coming home to to your queer family, right? A finding family and in queer community, but it's really grown to something else. Um, I think it's coming home to yourself. I think it's coming home to um, to the fullness of yourself. I am all parts queer, all parts faith, all parts woman, all parts black, and and those and and they are all coexisting in their in their wholeness at all times and nothing nothing makes less space for the other um and that is to be home when when everything within you is is at unity with its discord right um and I hope I hope that that I hope that that comes through in, in the stories that that get shared on this platform. 
um, and I hope I hope you I hope you tune in, and I hope you enjoy, and I hope you laugh, and I hope hope you tear up, and I hope I hope you hear. Most of all, I hope you really hear. Thank you for listening to an episode of Queer Roots and Black Spirituality. It has been a pleasure to have you here listening in, sharing in this space with us. Be gay, be well, until next time. This podcast was made possible in part by a grant from the Southern Equality Fund. Special thanks to all of those who shared their stories with us and the team who made this podcast possible, including Aziza Wonder, Troy Aragon Buchanan, Allison Coring, Michael Yerrick, Ty Sullivan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III.